Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today. We are moving right through this ongoing series. is just kind of unfolding right before our eyes. I don't have a title yet. I don't have all this stuff in order. Hey, we're just talking about the Word of God and the awesome patterns therein. And uh, so visit us online, pathdesign.com, like us on Facebook, do all those things. You know what to do. So we're talking about the role of the high priest, specifically limited to the days of all leading up from Yom Teruah to Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Here, right now, when I'm recording this, according to where I live and where where we are right now, sundown tonight will begin Yom Kippur the highest holy day on the calendar of God in the entire year. I'm pretty stoked about it, pretty excited again. Why? At the invitation to keep the feast of the Lord. It's incredible. What what a privilege, right? We just ended the last part talking about um, how the high priest had to do all of these different things. We haven't even really got to hardly any of them. We won't have time to even scratch the surface to get ready for the high holy day things that were necessary, and what we've really been focusing on primarily is what? Being clean, being consecrated, being holy, which we know holy is not just being a good person. We've been told our whole lives all of this rhetoric that, well, being holy is really just being, I don't know, a good person, I guess, who reads the Bible and goes to church enough to clear your conscience. Holiness is a set-apart, distinct people. A people who look different, who sound different, who talk out of their mouths different, and do not live according to the patterns of the world and all of the governmental order therein. They are a people who are what? Like the scriptures tell us in the New Testament, man, we're just an alien people. We're just weird. Well, what makes you alien? What makes you strange? What makes you different? Well, I go to church and I read my Bible and I believe the Ten Commandments. I got a a gun and an American flag. Well, yeah, you and everybody else, okay? (laughs) Do you keep the feasts of the Lord? Do you live according to the people of God reality when he formed and fashioned a people? Are you in it? (laughs) That's the distinguisher. It always has been and it always will be all the way into the culmination of the ages until the beginning of the end where there is no end. Do you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't, (laughs) but I'm still moving towards that. Okay, so we're going to pick up, man, we're going to get right into what's going on in these days, and then even we're going to get right up to the hours leading up to the beginning of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and where we're going to talk for the next few moments. Man, it's like right here. Okay, this, these are some things, again, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to name some things that would have taken place in this moment thousands of years ago with the high priest reality, okay, in the temple now. And listen, why are we talking about this? Again, please hear me clearly. I'm going to move in real close and, and listen, please. I am not trying to teach anyone mere history. I'm not trying to inform you of historical fact just so that you can know what the high priest did. The whole entire point of any word out of my mouth today is so that we, again, can take these things that happened in real life with real men 
in real buildings that were called the temple of God. And we take them through Yeshua the Messiah, the gate, the door, the way, the truth, the life, out the other side and into the here and now, right now in 2020, right now as Yom Kippur is hours away from where I sit right now on my calendar. We cannot divorce ourselves. Man, I've been saying that all week long. I know I'm getting repetitive. Some of these things, man, we've got to have them driven into our mind to remind us of what is true. This is a now experiential reality for us in Yeshua the Messiah, the great high priest. And again, if we don't understand the high priest from Leviticus, how in the world will we understand the great high priest in the Gospels? How do we know what the great high priest even is if we know no functions of the high priests that preceded the high priest, right? And when, as I already said in part one, if we are called a royal priesthood but have no understanding whatsoever of what the priesthood was required to do and to be, how in the world can I actually be a priest? How can I see myself as part, a member of a priesthood now if I have no understanding of the priesthood that was? We can't. Everything we do is all mere spiritual metaphor. And again, I'm going to keep saying this, there is much for us to do in the sanctification process now after being born again. So here's some little imagery, right? I just, man, I'm telling you, I love, I love to imagine what was going on. So we're leading up to Yom Kippur on the timeline of what we're discussing. And I'm, man, I'm only going to hit like not even a quarter of everything that was going on. I'm just going to give you some of the main points that lead up to the actual main event, if you will. Because again, my biggest thing is about preparation. My life is about preparation. Are we holy? Are we consecrated? Are we clean? Without without moving away from my identity in Christ. Man, everybody wants to say, well, it sounds like you don't even understand the atoning blood of Jesus, Joel. Man, you, how do you explain these things? I do understand. That's the only hope I have. His blood has saved me, rescued me, delivered me, changed me, moved me from darkness to light. I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah. And because of these things, I want to be priestly. Because of that, I want to be clean. I want to be holy. And therefore, there is much for me to do to, like I said in part one, to clean out the cup of my life. How many of you drink coffee every day? Do you drink coffee every morning? Here, brother, sister, listen to what I'm going to say for some imagery. If you drink coffee every morning, friend, don't wash that cup for a month. Just keep drinking out of it. Sugar, cream, straight black. I don't care how you drink it. Don't wash out the inside of the cup. Don't. Well, the outside's going to look pretty fine, right? For the most part. Looks all right to me. Hold it up. Don't look in it now, but look upon it. Yeah, looks okay. Okay, well, tip that thing down and take a peek inside, won't you? What happens in daily life? 
The inside of the cup gets all nasty. It gets dirty. And guess what, friends? That's you. That's me. That is us in Yeshua Messiah. That's why the sanctification process, again, as I alluded to in part one, is what? We are moving into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, fulfilling our function and our purpose. We are becoming priests in function, in action. Well, Joel, it's already true. It's already a literal reality. Yes, I know that. And that's why I have to practice my entire life and give myself by doing something to become holy as he is holy. Yes, I know. I am a priest. I am these things that we're told in the scriptures. Yes, it's true. It's been imputed to me by nothing of my own doing. But that's why I have to do something about it now. Instead of being like all those that Paul warned, saying, man, you're squandering the gift of God. To use that into this context specifically, you've been made a priest, but man, you're not living like one. You've been made a royal priesthood, but you're living like a pagan man. Right? There's something for us to do. Oh man, I'm going to get off topic. Okay, so as the sacrificial animals are being marched in, imagine, if you will, you're the high priest in Leviticus. Imagine you're Aaron. Imagine you're this guy, this guy, and this guy. I mean, seriously, just imagine that. The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, man, that's you. Animals are being marched in in front of you. You have to go do five required immersions. Where? Holy cow, I didn't even know this till this morning. The water gate. Where did the Lord lead us three episodes ago? The water gate. The tashlik. In Nehemiah chapter 8, when Ezra is standing up, the Torah teacher, and he's reading the laws of God, and the people are praising the Father. They're lifting their hands. They're shouting. They're prostrate on the ground saying, Holy is the Lord. Oh, how awesome is Yahweh Elohim. Oh, man, I thought the laws of God were too much. Thought it was a detriment. Thought it was a heavy burden. Man, we just don't know anything. We don't know anything about that. It's a gift, man. Those people understood. This is for my good. I know my forefathers. They built towers. They did this. They exalted themselves. I'm laying low. Praise the Father for his law. What did David say in the Psalms? Lord, I love your law. I love your law, God. I love your statutes. I love your commands. Oh, God, you're good. But man, today, Church of 2020, I'm free in Jesus, man. Don't be talking about that burdensome law to me. Oh, gosh, how far are we fallen? Lord, show us mercy. Seriously. So the sacrificial animals are being marched in. He's doing five required immersions at the water gate. He uses a golden vessel to pour water on his hands and pour water on his feet. This vessel, if I read this right, and I tried to compare different uh, commentaries, and man, I'm not a scholar on this, so you know, study this stuff for yourself. The way I understood it was this vessel was only used here, Yom Kippur. A lot of special set-apart distinct things because, again, this happened one time a year. 
at dawn, the gates are open. There's people everywhere, man. People are coming in just like they did for all the festivals and feasts, which it begs mentioning. I can't ever pass this. That's why people in Acts chapter 2 were gathered. The multitudes had come to do what? Pentecost. 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 It's, <laughs> it's Shavuot. We're going into the city to celebrate the feast of the Lord. And another uh, remnant within the remnant was gathered in the, in the upper room reality. What? Waiting for the promise. They were already there, just like they were here now for Yom Kippur. So these people are pouring in to what? To share in the highest holy day. Man, the high priest is going in. He's going to go in. And he's going to intercede for us. Oh God, show us mercy. Show us mercy, oh God, please. The high priest, after washing, puts on a white tunic and the sacrifices would begin. And I'm telling you, I don't even have time or space to be able to get even scratch the surface, like I already said, to get into the meat of all the stuff that took place. This day was incredible, y'all. This day was incredible. But here we are again today. I cannot get past this stuff. Here we are today in the church that I've known my whole life in 47 years where we say, you know what? All that stuff is irrelevant now. It was all just mere shadow imagery. Now we're free in Jesus. Well, what are we free to do? We're free to just be free, Joel. Stop being so hard. And I'm telling you, what has it produced? I would ask the question to anyone in the church right now. What has that produced in the church? Lawlessness. Lawlessness. This church does it this way. That church does it this way. This church doesn't talk to this church, nor to this church. This church pickets against that church. And what in the world do we have? We have chaos in the body. Dare say, is this even the body? I don't even know half the time. We've got pagan practices in the church, promoted by the church. Why? Well, we have to reach people. We have to be relevant. We can't offend and run everyone off. We can't be hard and talk about things like the laws of God. No one would come. We need to praise the Lord and dance and sing and be loud and have entertaining services or else no one will come. Man, I'm telling you, take a snapshot snapshot of uh, a snapshot of the church of 2020 in many ways and you show it to these people who were gathering then with the high priest and all the things that were going on with Yom Kippur, I'm telling you right now, as sure as I'm sitting here, if you showed them an average modern-day Christian American worship service and said, look, friends, this is what's taking place on Yom Kippur 2020 in the church, they would say, you're joking. Let's be honest. Let's be hard. Let's be hard. You know what those people would say who are gathering and watching the sacrifices and the incense and the clothing and the holy consecration and the reading of the laws of God and they say, we love your law. Oh, great Yahweh God, you are good. You rule and reign every single thing forever. You're the Elohim of Elohims and we fall prostrate before you. Oh God, the God of our fathers. Those people would look at this church service right here on Sunday in this age, and say, no way, you're joking. 
You've got to be kidding me. Are you telling me that this is what the people of God, the royal priesthood, chosen nation people of 2020 are doing on Yom Kippur? Man, I'm telling you, it grieves my heart to think about that. I can see them in my imagination looking down through all of time. Imagine Aaron, the first high priest, being transported into 2020 and walking into the average church today. The average modern hipster church, friend. Anticipating the the now reality of Yom Kippur, post-Yeshua Messiah. Oh, I wonder what they're going to talk about. I bet they're going to talk about the great high priest king who came and laid down his life and purchased all of mankind for any who would enter in by his blood atonement sacrifice. Now, oh man, I bet they would connect everything I did, Aaron would say, with the now reality of being in the king of kings, the Yeshua Messiah, son of God, son of man. I can't wait. And he would get there to the service and walk in and the lights would dim and the lasers would come on and the smoke would fill the room and the room is black as night and people are illuminated on the stage in the nicest clothes with the best makeup and the best hairdos talking about who knows what trunk or treat and I believe he would begin to weep And I believe he would just weep and say, Oh God, what has happened to your people? Where is the holiness? Where is the consecration? Where are the clean hands and the pure hearts, O great God? What in the world has happened? And I believe the Father would say, They've squandered the work of the Son, Aaron. They've prostituted the blood of my son. And they think all that old reverence and holiness and awe and being prostrate before me is old news. They've forgotten, Aaron, just like mankind always does. They have again forgotten the power of the blood. Man, I feel that to the core of my being, that that is the view of all of the heavens right now in this hour as Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, comes. As I look at the, at the all, the days of all, it's not what we do on the outside, friend. It's our hearts that's the problem. If our hearts would write, were right, we would do something out here. We would be prostrate. We would be raising our hands. We would be saying, oh God, I love your word. I love your commands. I love your feast days. I love your Sabbath. Your ways, oh great king, are perfect. And your ways endure forever and ever. And your love is throughout every single one of your ways. Y'all think of Uzzah, right? Carrying the Ark of God. Now, the whole scenario was off from the very outset, and that's the real underlying issue. They weren't supposed to be doing what they were doing, but the Ark begins to shimmy and shake and fall when the oxen look over to the towards the hay. <laughs> Paraphrased. The presence of God is housed in this box, and it's about to fall on the dirt, and Uzzah, seemingly rightly so, goes to catch the presence of the Lord. Dead. 
dead, y'all. Because God is 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 lacking mercy and just full of wrath and vengeance? No, because he's holy. Because he's pure. Friends, we have lost this reality. We have lost the awe of Yahweh Elohim. I don't care what anyone says to me. This church age in the majority have forgotten the awe of God. So how do we now approach this awesome God? Do we just waltz into the presence of the Most High, covered in the blood of Jesus? I'm good. I'm under the blood. Shrugging our shoulders, I'm under the blood, right? What else is there to do? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Do you not know this? For you have been bought with a price, the sacrificial atoning blood of the Son. Therefore, because of this now, glorify God, glorify Yahweh in your body. Your body, friend, if you are in fact in the kingdom, born again, born of the water, born of the spirit, a regenerated Christ man, no longer living for your own life, and you've laid it down unto death, and therefore you've found your life eternal in Yeshua the Son, you're no longer your own. Therefore, listen, like Paul's pointing his finger at you, friend. He's pointing his finger at me. Man, because of this, you'd better glorify God in your body. Do you hear me? Imagine that. It's a question. Don't you even know that your body is a temple? This word temple in the Greek is naos. It was used to be metaphorical with the temple at Jerusalem, but only of the sacred innermost sanctuary. The sanctuary itself that consisted of the holy place, the holy of holies. You're not merely this church building shell. Again, we've got to connect the imagery of the New Testament with the Old. Shaul Paul knew this understanding. He went to the temple. He went to the synagogue. He understand. He taught the Torah. He knew what had preceded. He knew what he was saying. He wasn't just using this spiritual metaphor. Well, you're kind of like the abode of God. Mystically speaking, he's saying, don't you even know who you are? Your physical man body is a temple. A sacred sanctuary. Therefore, because of this, and again, I see his finger pointing, man. Glorify God with your body, Joel. There's nothing else for you to do with this body. Don't you dare defile it. How do we do this? What does this even mean? So this word glorify, to think, suppose, to be of opinion, of praise, extolling, magnifying, celebrating, honoring, to clothe with splendor and make glorious. 
to be imparting glory to something and render it excellent, renowned, and illustrious. Do you understand that is you, friend, if in fact you are in Messiah? Or are you just a good Christian American guy? I know I'm saying this with such repetition. Make it my slogan for this podcast. That's fine. Identity is every single thing to us in Messiah. Our lives should be devoted to unearthing our identity from the perspective of the Eternal Father. So when Shaul Paul was saying, don't you know you're supposed to glorify Yahweh God with your body? He said, honor, make glorious, and clothe him with splendor because of that body of flesh. That thing that we just, you know, Paul equally said, I hate this body. Yes, we have to rightly understand what he was saying in fullness. That's what I'm saying, man. That's the imagery of the cup. Do you, let me ask a just simple question. We're going to have to wrap this up and do a part three as well. Do you get dirty? Do you, friend, ever get dirty? Do you sin? Do you have a lustful thought ever? Do you ever think of anything deceptive? Do you ever tell a lie? Do you ever twist things and manipulate anything? Eh, That's kind of my advantage. Do you ever get dirty? If you do, that is sanctification. That is this journey of what? Making sure I'm walking in an understanding of answering Paul's question. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do. And that's why I've got to clean the inside of this cup. That's why I've got to, spiritually speaking, in a heart of repentance and constantly coming before the Lord, lifting my hand saying, purify me, purify me, praise you for the blood, thank you for the blood, clean me. I'm getting in the water today. I'm casting something into the water today. Oh, well, I was baptized when I was seven, brother. Why are you talking about that, man? That's old news. It's old news is right. It's old news. How about we update our lives? And I know I'm hard about that. But much of the church I've known base themselves, their, and when I say themselves, their identity in Jesus on a decision. Well, man, I made a decision when I was like nine. I made a decision. Well, what in the world did I make a decision about? Who knows? I didn't want to go to hell. But everybody at church was excited. I got baptized. Woo! I'm good. No new life. None. No understanding. No regeneration. That's what I'm saying. In this natural body of flesh that we're told time and time again is now what? The temple. The naos. The sacred sanctuary. The most holy place. And that's why all of this stuff matters. Because again, if you don't understand the holiness of the most holy place in Leviticus, how in the world can you understand the severity and sacredness of you yourself being the same temple today to house the living God? I dare say we can't. We can't. We can't know. 
We can't understand rightly the depth of the honor we have been given, the privilege we've been given to now be the abode of God. Look, we're going to wrap this up here and we're going to go into part three and part three will absolutely finish us off. Man, this is awesome. I could talk about this all day long. Oh my gosh, if I could stand in front of 2.7 million people today, I would just, hey, somebody would have to pry the microphone out of my hands with a crowbar and flames of fire. (laughs) What in the world is worth talking about more than the eternal works of God through people like you and I? We're going to wrap this up. Part three is coming up. You're listening to the Path to Zion podcast. What are we doing here? We are trying with everything in us to rediscover the ancient way. Thank you for listening. Go to pathtozion.com. Send us an email, pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. Amen.